Good morning. Welcome to the services this morning here at La Prada Drive Church of Christ. Beautiful outside. It's not 110 degrees, at least not yet, so we're off to a, to a good start. Hopefully the week will uh, maintain in that order. But uh, nonetheless, I'm glad to be here this morning. I, I, I pray that what I've prepared to say you'll find uplifting, encouraging, something to take confidence in. You know, before we get started, we've got a few folks out vacationing. Trust they'll get back safely, but we've also been blessed with a few visitors this morning. I want to especially thank you for being here. Your presence is greatly appreciated. I uh, would kindly ask that concluding service, stick around for a couple of minutes, give us an opportunity to introduce ourselves, say hello, and of course we would extend an invitation to, to you to come back and visit with us uh, any opportunity that you might have, but thank you for being here. You know, this morning, I'd ask you to consider... The word impossible, and the fact that impossible, that word in and of itself means absolutely nothing to God. Start out with just the birth of a baby that was born to a virgin. Most would say that's impossible. But this morning, we're going to start out right there. I'd ask you to... uh, I'm going to have the verses on the PowerPoint this morning. I'm going to be covering quite a few verses and passages. But if you want to turn with me, we're going to start out in Luke chapter 1, specifically verses 26 through 38. And it reads, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. It is seen and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know no man, not a man? And the angel answered, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, And the angel departed from her. You know, verse 29 tells us that Mary was troubled at what the angel was saying. But if you think about it, here we have Gabriel that's coming to her presence. 
He's told her that she is favored and blessed. Why would she be troubled? We all know that answer, right? It's obvious. She's a virgin. And Mary was betrothed to Joseph, which meant that abstinence was to be maintained. And since betrothal lasted approximately one year, if a woman became pregnant with a child, that was deemed to be adulterous. And in that time, that meant that she most likely would be put to death. Yet Mary had never known a man. You see, this was no ordinary situation. This was God intervening, and Gabriel proceeded to explain how she could conceive by the Holy Spirit. It's verse 35. And then, after telling her about the miracles of Elizabeth, having a child in her, at her age, despite the fact that she had been barren for all these years. He told her, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's verse 37. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the word impossible means absolutely nothing to God. A baby born through a virgin was indeed a miracle. But it was only possible through God. In Mark 14, verses 35 through 36, we read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went forward a little and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou thou will. You know, when we look at Jesus in verse 36, his comment is that all things are possible for you. Meaning that all things are indeed possible when God's will is to put it in place. Continuing a little little, little further, I'd ask you to to consider Zechariah chapter 8, verses 7 through 8. said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Now in these verses, the Lord, the Lord here is encouraging his people. Keep in mind, his people have been captive in Babylon and other empires such as Persia. And they've come to the conclusion that they're never going home. They're never going to see Jerusalem again. What God does is say, I'm going to save you. You will re-enter Jerusalem. Now many of them are not going to follow him and be obedient. But to those that chose to, To God's people, they were saved. You know, another story to consider. In 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19, we read about King Hezekiah. Now, who is he? He is a devoted man. He is a believer. King Hezekiah is faced with a dilemma. He has a choice. The king... Assyria has decided that 
King Hezekiah needs to either bow down to him, pay tribute. Now keep in mind, the Assyrians is a land of idol and, 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 and foreign gods as far as what they worshipped. But King Hezekiah has a choice. He's either going to he's going to submit and pay tribute to the Assyrians, or he's going to be destroyed. Matter of fact, in verses leading up to this, we see that the the king of Assyria actually tells him, "Look at all these countries that I've conquered. All of their kings prayed to their gods, but yet we came out victorious." You should consider your options. So with that choice to be made, King Hezekiah refused. And in doing so, it brought about concerns. What did he choose to do? In 2 Kings 19.19, Hezekiah prays. And he says, Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of this hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of, of, of... I'm sorry, my verses are getting away from me. The Lord thy God, even thou know, that thou only. So what he does, he's praying to God. He's saying, please, please help us so that we might know the way. Then in verses 32 and 34, we read that the Lord's response comes to Hezekiah through the prophet of Isaiah. And it says, Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend, and it... I apologize, my slides are are getting me confused. I'm going to resort back to my notes here. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Continuing a little further, we read in verse 35, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. You see, the Lord saved Judea from the Assyrians because they worshipped him alone. They had faith in him. And in turn, the Lord willed it. You see, here God once again did something that most would have thought was impossible. Now consider what took place that night. God sent an angel in, and that angel destroyed 185,000 men. He destroyed or rather eliminated that problem. Now let's look back at Exodus 14. Here God parted the Red Sea to free the descendants of Israel from the Egyptians. And we read in Exodus 14 verses 21 through 27, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. 
and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass... And it came to pass that in the morning watch that the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and out of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the seas that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon the horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned in his strength. And when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the Red Sea. My apologies, my eyes are giving me a little trouble this morning, but... But here we see that that Moses was given the opportunity through God's will to lead his people out of the the Egyptians' control. And Pharaoh's army was destroyed by a Red Sea. Most would have said that's impossible, but yet it took place. We're also told stories in the Bible such as David. David's a shepherd, and yet he slew the giant Goliath with just one rock and a sling. It's found in 1 Samuel 17, 48, and 49. You may also recall where Jesus fed the multitude. 4,000 people he fed with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. You can find that account, one of those writings in Mark 8, verses 1 through 9. You read in Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. Yet, what happened there? They walked away unharmed. How could any of this be possible? But yet it was. You see, these are just a few of the numerous accounts of God doing the impossible, as the world would view it. Even when the outcome seemed completely unfathomable, God provided a way. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So in this story we read of a father 
father that's going to come to Jesus because his son is, is ill. His son is falling into fire, falling into water, has no control. He comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus to heal him. And he tells him, I've already taken him to your disciples. And your disciples weren't able to do anything. So what does Jesus do? First, he heals the child. But in reading that, what was his answer to the disciples when they came and asked, why weren't we able to take care of that young man? He says it was because of their unbelief, or rather, their lack of faith. He then says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now consider that for a second. A mustard seed. Just how big is that? That's tiny. You know, the book of Mark also records this event. And specifically, I want to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23. This is where Jesus is again addressing the disciples concerning why they were not able to take care of this young man. Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So we notice how in Matthew, Jesus said, If you have faith, and then in Mark, to saying, if you can believe, then all things are possible. You see, we have to have faith in our God who can do all things. It has nothing to do with how we feel about ourselves, believing in ourselves. It has nothing to do with our perseverance, our determination. But rather, it has everything to do with God. You know, do we recognize that we serve an awesome God? A God that can do all things. That can take care of any situation, any circumstance, and see us through it. You know, I wonder sometimes if often when we find ourselves in these situations, if we, if we kind of put God in a box. Because the situation seems insurmountable. You know, God is, is really our refuge. That's where we should go when we find ourselves in those positions. Because we are to trust and have faith in our God that if it is His will, anything is possible. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, if we place our faith in God and in Jesus Christ, we can take comfort in knowing that nothing is impossible. It's not up to us to overcome what seems impossible because at that point, it's up to God. And God is much wiser than we'll ever be. In John 5, verse 4, it tells us, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Because with faith in God, we know He's going to see us through everything that life throws our way. We're not going to find ourselves destitute, without any direction to go. We're not going to be lost. 
So this morning I ask you, what mountains are you facing in your life? What are you looking at right now? Possibly it's trouble at the workplace. Just not happy, discontent. Maybe it's the fact that you're looking for a job and haven't had had much success yet. Maybe you're struggling financially. You're just struggling to get the bills paid at the end of the month and put food on the table. Or perhaps someone you love, possibly even you, is sick, dealing with cancer or another disease. Maybe for you, the concern is that our country right now isn't looking good, and they keep talking about this food shortage that's coming our way. Couple that with the crazy inflation that we experience every time we check out anywhere. Wondering, where is this money going to go, and where are we going to find food? Or is the concern the future of the church? The fact the world keeps moving further and further away from God. And as the world moves, persecution seems to be coming near. You know, recently I heard someone say that they're worried about the world our children are going to be living in once we're gone. All of which are serious concerns can create uncertainty and anxiety. But let's continue. We read in 3 John... Chapter 1, verse 2, that God wants us to be prosperous and of good health. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Then in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13, the Lord said, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and find me, and when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Have you been searching? Have you been seeking God? How often do we actually go to God in prayer? You know, prayer is a tool that God gave us to communicate with Him. For a moment, I'd ask you to take your prayer life and take that conversation that you're having with God and dedicate the same amount of time to talk to your spouse if you're not married, your best friend. What kind of relationship would you have? You see, our prayer life's vital to maintaining our faith in God. Builds us up. It reassures us to know that God cares and He's hearing our concerns, our desires, our needs. In addition to prayer in Romans 12, verse 3, Paul mentions faith that is just given to us. Verse 3, but think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then in Romans 10, verse 17, we read, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So here Paul emphasizes the need for the word to increase our faith. 
God's words at our fingertips. It's, it's the scripture. Paul's telling us we need to spend time studying. We need to spend time reading and reflecting on our lives. Then there's Mark chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, which reads, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked upon them and saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. All things are possible because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. Because that is what makes things all possible. It's through our faith and our obedience that we can overcome death, which is indeed the greatest obstacle of life. Now, I'm not speaking of the physical death. I'm speaking specifically of the spiritual death. Because each of us are going to encounter the death of our physical body. Hebrews 9, 27 states, And it is appointed unto men to die once, but after this the judgment. But you see, the spiritual death is different. That it's caused by sin. What is sin? Sin is us turning our back on God. It separates us from God. And Romans 6, verse 23 declares, For the wages of sin is death. And then if you consider Revelations 20, verses 14 and 15, we read, And the death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we're all going to die a physical death. It's the first death. However, those who have not had their sins forgiven through Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed are going to experience a second death. The second death is described as spending an eternity in hell. This spiritual death. But it's our faith. That is what makes it possible to avoid an eternity in damnation. You see, Jesus raised from the dead. And most would say that's an improbability. Yes, indeed it is. But when we examine Mark chapter 10, verse 27, again, we read that, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. See, Jesus being raised from the dead was indeed improbable with men. But it absolutely happened, and it was only possible with God. See, these verses that I've gone through this morning are the reason we should feel confident that nothing is impossible. Because the Bible tells us that. Matthew 17 and 20, if we have faith, nothing will be impossible for you. In Isaiah 53, 11, we read that Jesus will make it possible for many 
to be counted righteous. What's it mean to be counted righteous? It means that if we choose to follow the gospel, it is through our faith and our obedience to God that we're saved from our sins. And that is only possible through Jesus performing the impossible. Because on that third day, Jesus rose from the grave. Romans 6, verses 9 through 10 says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died unto sin once, but that he liveth, he liveth unto God. You see, our Savior sacrificed himself on a cross, Calvary. His blood was shed so that our sins might be forgiven. Just as he had victory over sin and death, each of us can too. And it's through God's love and his sacrifice that each of us can live in this world without concern for what may come our way. Out concern for how we're going to handle the situation. When we see no way out, when we see trouble looming, rather than find ourselves stressed, full of anxiety, letting it affect our walk, each and every day, specifically our spiritual law. It's because of Jesus dying on that cross that we have the confidence that everything is going to be okay. That God is going to see us through because we are his children. We serve an awesome God. You know, through Jesus Christ, indeed all things are possible regardless of how impossible it may seem. From the beginning, God has provided a way for his children. He has seen them through, and he's going to continue to see each of us through, those of us that have followed the gospel, those of us that choose to be obedient. And it's because of that sacrifice that we should take comfort in knowing that the trials of this life are okay, that we indeed are going to be okay. And that is truly a blessing. A blessing that we receive because our God loves each and every one of us. You know, this morning, I I haven't really spoken in detail about the first principles. But I have covered the first principles enough so that it's clear you haven't obeyed the gospel, if you haven't been baptized, you should consider it. So this morning, if there's one here that has been sufficiently taught, recognizes the need to become a part of the body of Christ, then I would encourage you to come forward because the water is here and it's waiting. But by chance, we may have a brother or sister present this morning that 
the mountains they're facing in this life are just too much. It's got them down. But you know what? God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters that love you, that care about you. And that have the ability to pray to an awesome God on your behalf. If you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters, I would ask you to come forward as well as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. I drove his foul.